Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Mike Canfield, CIO at Firelands Regional Medical Center. In this segment, Canfield talks about the concern he shares with other rural CIOs about the MU2 patient engagement requirements, the unfortunate spot organizations are facing due to the delayed final rule, and why his team is planning to rip out the core EHR system and start anew. Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for taking some time to speak with us today. Sure. Can you just talk a little bit about uh, Firelands Regional? Sure. Firelands Regional Medical Center is uh, about a 255-bed hospital. We're a, a regional medical center. Um, we're surrounded by a couple of independent community hospitals um, that send some of the more complicated cases here. And then anything that gets um, you know, very complex, we ship out to uh, either Cleveland or Toledo. We've got a wide range of, uh, of services for a hospital our size. We have very active behavioral health service, both inpatient and out. Um, also cancer and complete cardiac um, care. And um, we're roughly a $250 million um, organization in terms of uh, net revenue. Okay, and what's the closest uh, major city to you guys? We're, uh, we're located in uh, north-central Ohio, pretty much halfway between Cleveland and Toledo. Okay. And you said that, that you're surrounded by some um, community hospitals, and then are you also closer to some of the – I know Ohio has some uh, big systems, too. Exactly. The uh, Cleveland market is uh, heavily consolidated with the Cleveland Clinic and uh, right. university hospitals, and the Toledo market is – uh, similar with ProMedica and uh, pieces of the Mercy system. Right. So I'm sure it's an interesting situation for you guys. You're kind of uh, somewhere in the middle between the large systems and like the, uh, the, the community hospitals. Exactly. So far the large systems haven't been very interested in coming out to the middle of the state aggressively. Right. And uh, there's, uh, there's four independent hospitals out here. I think we're probably the last four in northern Ohio. Right, right. Okay. All right. So now um, in terms of uh, the, the clinical application environment, um, what, what type of EHR system are you using in the hospital? The main system here is uh, Meditech's client server 566. We're scheduled for a 567 upgrade at the end of the year. Um, we also have a number of... Um, uh, McKesson Horizon applications that are still in production here for central scheduling, surgery, and materials. Mm -hmm. Our uh, CPOE application is actually separate from Meditech. It's a product called Meds Tracker, and it was uh, created by Design Clinicals, who has since been acquired by First Data Bank. Okay. Okay, so you said you're going to, you're scheduled for, uh, to upgrade to 567 at the end of the year, and, and how big of a step is that from, from the current version? We've been, uh, we've been keeping up uh, really well with the Meditech updates, and we have that in our test ring already, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be a very dramatic issue. There's a, a couple key features in there that we're pretty excited to finally see. Mm -hmm. um, Meditech's IV spreadsheet's been a real problem for us for a number of years, and there are some promised improvements in there, so we hope those solve some issues for us. But I don't think it's going to be a major uh, major disruption to do that upgrade. Okay. Is there any other like the features of, of the 567 that um, 
said that there are a few that, that you guys were excited about. No, the the, uh, the heavy spreadsheet has been a, a huge pain point for a very long time for us, and yeah. so that's that's our, our biggest hope here. Okay, and it's been uh, Meditech's been in place for a while there. They have. I've only been here for four years, and it was uh, it was well established before I got here. So it's probably been eight or ten years since they installed it. All right, and now what about uh, in in the clinics and uh, physician practices? What are they using? We have a uh, an employed physician group of about 50 providers, and uh, they're on eClinicalWorks. And um, our uh, our employed physician group also hosts eClinicalWorks for independent providers. And they do that for I think seven or eight practices. And then there's a large multi-specialty group in town here that has also moved over to um, our hosted eClinicalWorks platform. So we have the luxury of the overwhelming majority of the physicians in the community being on a single application. Oh, yeah. Okay. Makes things a little easier, I guess. <laughs> yes, it certainly does. Okay. And then as far as how, to, how that, uh, that talks to Meditech, how has that been? Um, we used um, Iatric to do that integration. Um, again, that was about four years ago, right, as I was coming on board. That had been um, struggling along. I think it's to the point now where it is quite stable. Um, we don't we don't get a lot of complaints about it. There's still some manual effort on the physician practice side for some results that come back that for one reason or another haven't been um, tied to a specific order, and, and those have to be manually matched, but that's a relatively small number. So a basic order order interface in and result interface back has been working for a couple of years now. Okay. So as far as how it worked out with um, the, the number of docs who have uh, gone on eClinicalWorks, maybe through the, through the hosted platform, um, is that something that, that kind of surprised you guys? Because I know that that can be a challenge, obviously, when you have, when you have to deal with uh, – Multiple different systems among the uh, the physicians. The multi-specialty group in town used to be on uh, NextGen, and they mm-hmm. became a, an advanced payment ACO, and they felt that that platform wasn't going to be able to provide them the access to data that they needed to be successful. Right. Um, so they they took a look at some different options and and elected to land on eClinicalWorks, and so far we haven't. Um, you know, it's it's a fantastic gift to have the whole community on one platform or one yeah. application like that, but we haven't put anything in place that really leverages that at this point. That's something that we're looking at, um, you know, how to do that going forward. Clearly from an interfacing perspective and across the community from a staffing perspective, uh, it's nice to have that commonality. But in terms of actually you know, layering on some tools to allow us to do some advanced analytics across the whole community, we are not there yet. Right. Okay. Now, where do you uh, stand with meaningful use at this point? We're uh, we're in our second year of stage two and waiting for a final rule. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, and we're in, in in great shape for stage two as long as they uh, go with the proposed view, download, and transmit. That's been for us, like many organizations, a real struggle to get 
patients to go to a website to look at their information. Yeah. This uh, this community just doesn't seem to be very motivated to do that. So um, when when we did year one, we had a uh, a very large, mostly volunteer push from a bunch of different departments um, to actually get patients to register and log in while they were still in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And that's the way we were able to barely meet it the first year. So. But outside of that, we feel really, really comfortable with the rest of uh, stage two. Yeah, and it seems like the, uh, the the jump as far as that requirement, I think, really took a lot of people by surprise, um, and especially organizations where uh, the patient population isn't necessarily, uh, you know, all, all walking around with their smartphones uh, <laughs> all day doing, you know, logging into things. Yeah, exactly. This is uh, this is kind of a rural part of the state here, um, and, and it's not like uh, you know the West Coast or the East Coast where where people are uh, are heavily connected and, and very technically savvy. So, yeah. Other than that aspect of meaningful use, otherwise you said you're pretty much on track with the requirements at least as they stand now. Yes. Yes, we're in good shape today. Okay. And it. I can imagine that the frustration just as far as this waiting game, and are you surprised that things aren't kind of more set in stone at this point? Yeah, I'm very disappointed along with everybody else. Uh, yeah. You know, the uh, the proposed rule came out uh, with plenty of time. I think there was some good feedback on it. There wasn't really anything in it that was highly contentious. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the normal professional organizations weighed in and made suggestions, and I certainly would have thought that they would have been able to make a final rule by now. It being, uh, you know, September, if they decide that they're going to make it, uh, that they're not going to adopt some of those changes, then our organization, and I think a number of others, um, you know, will actually not meet it for the year because we just don't have enough time to uh, to recover. Right. I guess it's not something where you can really expect, um, you know, the staff and everyone to be able to just quickly, you know, do that quick of a turnaround. It's just, it seems like it's just asking a little bit too much. Right, right. And um, and uh, there's that little ICD-10 thing coming along, too, that's going to be somewhat distracting for a, at least a few months and most likely a better part of a year. So it's you know it's not like we can uh, you know scramble and do an all hands on deck and try to get a bunch of people that have been in during the year to log in. We're going to have um, other larger issues that are more directly related <laughs> to the revenue stream. Right, right. And how do you guys stand with that with ICD-10? We think we're good. Yeah, you know, we've we've done a lot of testing. We uh, we were ready a year ago. We were disappointed mm-hmm. in that delay. Um, and we've we've done a lot to try to remain ready. Um, we've had you know, certified coders and coding trainers on staff for a couple of years now. We've been pushing information out to our physicians um, pretty much constantly for the last year, trying to help them understand the impact of their practices and doing anything that we can to support them. Um, so, so as a as a health system, we feel. Like we're quite ready. I'm not sure how the um, physician offices, especially the independent practices, are going to fare. I think there there might have been a a little bit of confusion over the uh, 
the one year you know allowance that, that physicians have gotten to um, not have to be as specific and and as detailed in their coding in, in ICD-10, but to just have the right um, top-level code in place, and Medicare says we'll go ahead and accept that. I think uh, quite a few of our physicians have interpreted that as, well, we can just kind of code whatever we want for a year and we're going to be fine, and right. um, that's clearly not the case. Yeah. Now, when you run into issues like that with the physicians, like, how how is that that dealt with? I mean, is there something where there's there's structured meetings, or how do you how do you kind of approach that? So for for employed physicians, uh, you know, it's really straightforward. There's a lot of information that comes out through that practice um, that that keeps them uh, up to date and informed and everything else. Um, for the independent practices, um, you know, we do everything that we can to to push information out to them. But there's there's not a lot beyond that that we've been able to do. Um, from an IT perspective, you know, I do have some concerns that August or October 2nd, um, some people are going to start showing up and saying, oh, hey, you know, I guess we really didn't look at this, and um, now we're in a bind and we'd really like some help. And, and you know, we're not, we're not prepared to do that at this point. Yeah, cause I, and, and from your position, I imagine that, that that's a challenge because it's not like when you're in some of the systems, you can kind of uh, put somebody in charge of that. But when you don't really have you know, necessarily the staff or resources for it, I can imagine it becomes a little trickier when you have to handle um, you know, a whole lot of concerns at once from the, uh, the independent and uh, employed physicians. Yeah, absolutely. It is a little, it, if things go that way, it'll be a little easier for us. Again, having everybody on a common system, we can, uh, you know, it, it's the same answers regardless of the practice, but uh, in terms of how the system works, we don't have to learn 23 different EHRs uh, at the last minute, but um, it's, it's still going to be a challenge that we're not staffed to if it occurs. Maybe everything will go great and there won't be any problems at all. Right. As as far as some of the other things on your plate, um, what about uh, like analytics? Is that something you're looking at at any point soon? Um, So again, the size and complexity of our organization, um, we have not gone uh, deeply into uh, the analytics route. We do recognize um, through Meaningful Use Stage Two and and a number of other activities that we've got too many silos of data to be effective going forward. Um, we recognize that you know, at some point um, we're going to have to be able to um, do more advanced analytics and, and have better information all tied together for billing and, and other quality initiatives. So um, at this point we've just made the decision to rip out our, our core EHR and um, move to um, some new platform, which we're still um, deciding on. But from an analytics perspective, our, our, our goal and our strategy has been to, to simply keep adding um, capability on a you know, stepwise basis without really committing to any particular direction. So right. uh, it's, it's pretty um, immature here in terms of analytics. Mm-hmm. And just with, with ripping out the core system, this is something that, that's probably a couple years out still. So we're, uh, we've got a really aggressive timeline. Um, we, the, the lack of integrated information is um, uh, painful and inefficient already today. 
and yeah. and we don't want to remain that way any longer than we have to. So our goal is to make a um, a product decision um, just after the first of the year, and then it'll be probably 24 months after that before we're up and live. So, yeah, two years. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.